0: De podcast over pijn. Vandaag uh, zenden we een interview uit wat ik uh, 17 februari, donderdag 17 februari, uh, met uh, Peter O'Sullivan uh, heb gedaan. Peter O'Sullivan uh, is natuurlijk bekend als professor aan uh, de Curtin University en het is een grootheid uh, in het fysiotherapeutische, manueel therapeutische vak. Hij wordt uh, internationaal erkend als uh, vooraanstaand uh, klinicus en onderzoeker. En uh, is betrokken geweest met zijn team bij meer dan 250 uh, wetenschappelijke publicaties. Daarnaast is hij bij meer dan 100 nationale, en dan moet je denken aan uh, Australië, want hij komt uit uh, Perth, uh, Australië. Hij is meer bij honderd nationale en internationale conferenties uh, keynote speaker geweest. Natuurlijk is uh, Peter O'Sullivan ook bekend van de cognitieve functionele therapie. Oftewel de cognitieve functionele benadering van uh, rugpijn. En uh, in dit interview zal hij daar ook het een en het ander over uh, vertellen. Heel veel plezier bij het beluisteren van het interview wat in English is. First, thank you very much that you're making some time for us. Um, right. When I look at all your publications and your work, it's uh, it's a wonder uh, you have time to spare. So I was a little bit surprised that you made some time for us. Thank you very much for that. Uh,
1: well, I like talking about the work that we do, and just to be clear, that the publications are a team of people. That's right. Yeah, big right. team of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. But if I see um, your participation in all the publications you're doing, it's incredible. Yeah. How many did you do last year? I'm not sure. Approximately. Really. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't know, maybe 26. Something like, like that. Yeah. Something
2: like incredible,
0: that. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. But yep. the, ma- the uh, main. I think f- it, oh, no, sorry.
1: No, I was going to Mm -hmm. say, it it kind of, I'm very fortunate to be in a situation where I'm connected to lots of different people in different Mm -hmm. parts of the world doing some really interesting work. So Mm -hmm. it allows for that. Right.
0: Well, um, our podcast series this time uh, is about pain, actually. So, um, of course, it's a global burden, uh, something like 635. A billion dollars every year one of the yeah. biggest expenses in um, yeah. in um, healthcare uh, more than yeah. heart diseases cancer diabetes um, yeah. if you look at that um, physiotherapists and manual therapists uh, pay a lot of attention uh, to this and yeah. are trained in this or are trained for this and one of yeah. the and is one of the um, major professional groups of course uh, um, yeah who has to do with pain Uh, the reason i approached you are some of your uh, publications of course and um uh, for all the 2015 publication about the stigmatize or feel unprepared to treat people with low back pain and social uh psychosocial factors uh, that influences uh, recovery, and of course, the yeah. last one you did with the group with the uh, Canero GP Canero. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, It's 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 an uh, accepted uh, manuscript, and it's about um, it's the title is from fear to safety. Yeah. Um, well, these are um, of course you are one of the founders of CTF. CFT cft excuse me yeah
2: no worries <laughs>
0: there, there we go dyslexia <laughs> and you are recognized internationally as a, a leading clu- uh, clinician um, yeah. researcher and uh, educator so i have some yeah. questions for you um, yeah no worries what what is the um, um the history about um, or what is the the, uh, the, um, the history on the subject pain and the progressive insight so far, um, uh, in the last thirty years, what's what's changed Ooh. in your perception?
1: Yeah, okay, that's a big question. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I, I suppose in my, across my career, and I've been lucky to have spanned that thirty years in my career. But if I think of myself as a young physiotherapists with a lot of questions and not many answers mm-hmm. um, that reflected the fact that there was not a lot of research into pain at the time. And so we had very um, limited understanding of pain and it was predominantly structural, biomedical, biomechanical mm-hmm. understanding of pain. And so we had kind of uh, systems, I suppose, and physiotherapy that kind of evolved out of manual therapy, massage and exercise that we applied to um, that understanding and mm-hmm. um, if I look at what's happened across 30 years um, uh, there's just been this explosion of knowledge uh, research understanding uh, that it's not that, that those um, structural and biomechanical factors mm-hmm. that we thought underpinned everything probably underpin a very small group of patients yeah. in fact It's not that they're not important, uh, but they're probably not the most important thing for the majority of people. Mm -hmm. And the big barriers for people recovering for back pain, for example, but it could be for any musculoskeletal pain, uh, often um, not related to structure Mm -hmm. um, or biomechanics, but they're more related to illness perceptions and um, behaviours. So an example of that might be uh, if I develop back pain and I have a belief that that pain means that my back is damaged and therefore I need to protect my back and guard it. And that makes me frightened. Those factors are more predictive of me not getting better than what would show up on a scan, for example.
0: Would you dare to, um, to give a percentage of uh, how many people, uh, of how, what the percentage is of uh, those influences in low back pain? Um, Well, we
1: know, if you look at, so we've been lucky to be involved in population research Mm -hmm. Um, and we've tracked a group of, um, in Western Australia, young people from the age of 14 up Mm -hmm. into their 30s, for example. And we know that um, about, you know, 45% of young people at the age of 14 have reported back pain. Mm -hmm. That's about 70% at the age of um, 18 up towards you know, the age of 22. Um, And a lot of those people track right through. And at the age of about um, 17, about 21 and two, one in five of those people are reporting neck pain, back pain, Mm -hmm. taking time off school, seeking care, Mm -hmm. um, taking medication. And if you look at that group, there's a group of people with back pain who don't seek care Mm -hmm. and there's a group of people who do seek care. So we don't know about a lot. Well, what we know about a lot of those people there are people in our community who hurt their back, get on with it, never seek care, don't take Mm. medication, get on with their lives. Um, And when you profile those two groups of people, the things that predict the ones who are more likely to seek care, more likely to take time off school, take time Mm. off work, avoid activity, physical activity, they come down to things like their um, uh, their belief systems. So if you have a negative belief around back pain, that back pain, you know, will impact on your life negatively and that it may um, lead to ongoing problems in the future, you're more likely to be the person who'll make sense, go and seek care, take medication, avoid work, physical activity. And those behaviours emerge very early in life. So we know, for example, that you can identify those people at the age of 17 are way more, taking time out of school, are way more likely to be taking time out of work mm-hmm. at the age of 25 and at the age of 30. So it, like we develop our beliefs around pain very early in life and they're influenced by social factors, our parents' response to pain. We learn pain from an early stage in life. Mm-hmm. We learn it from our peers. We learn it from our experiences. We learn it from our carers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that then can set a trajectory for later life. Oh. And of course, other factors into play with that. We know, you know, if you've had a um, tough early life, uh, we know that significant life stress events. We know living in a um, a toxic family relationship. Those things set the system up. They yeah. set up the nervous system to be more responsive to mm-hmm. develop to increase the risk of you developing pain and persistent pain down the track.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I think in answer to your question, our whole understanding of pain has completely changed. That mm-hmm. this is. This can be related to related pathology in a really small group, like maybe 3 to 5%. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the majority of people, it's not clearly linked to you know, clear pathology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's influenced by a whole bunch of factors. Um, the majority of us will get back pain in our life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The, the group that become disabled, that's the group we're interested in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a bit like saying who gets a cold and who gets... Chronic fatigue after a cold. Right. Well, that's the group you got to look for. Right. Who cares about who gets a cold? Because the majority get better. And it's probably Mm -hmm. the COVID story right now as well. Mm -hmm. Like, who are the people at risk of COVID and of long COVID? They've got to be our interests.
0: Did you have COVID? (laughs) No, no. no, We've,
1: well, just to be, (laughs) we've been in lockdown and we still are in Western Australia. We literally haven't been able to fly out of our state for two years.
0: Incredible. Um,
1: well, there was a brief window when we could go to New Zealand, and that lasted for about a month, mm-hmm. um, but nowhere else. So, um, no, we're we are only now for mm-hmm. the first. We are ninety eight percent vaccinated in our state. My, um, god. that's that's a lot, and, and we're still in lockdown, <laughs> and we're only now yeah. starting to see we're starting to see COVID come into the population now. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Crazy. No, so we yeah, just it watched is, around it the world,
0: is. going, "What is going on?" Well, luckily, luckily, luckily enough, here in Holland, we're we're uh, leaving all those measurements uh, this weekend, uh, so it's yeah. it's open again, and next week it's yeah. totally open again. But but the yeah. figures are insane when you see how many yeah. people are um, yeah. are um, having uh, COVID right now that um, yeah and, well, and
1: again it's a bit like it's a bit like pain you know it is i think now we're saying well look covid for the majority if you're vaccinated it's not going to be a big problem but we need to protect vulnerable groups we need Sorry. to identify those who are at risk and protect them uh, and deliver right care for them and that's how the pain story is essentially.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. um well you already uh, uh, mentioned mm. uh, um uh, uh what what have changed the last 30 years yep. and what is interesting to see is that there are at least that's the way i see it two groups in australia the mm. M- more mostly on no, a lower mostly group and in your yep. group and which is very nice to see is that you joined into um, uh, the f- from fear to safety uh, um, uh, right. paper um, how yeah, yeah. how did it go?
1: Well, um, just to be clear, <laughs> there are <laughs> yeah. lots of groups in yeah. Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, re- different research groups that are looking at the problem from a different perspective, right, and right. we've just a- identified two groups. I, I don't so, see um,
0: you as uh, enemies or stuff like that, but uh, no, no. No, no, no. But it, think, but there's another our, insight.
1: On, yeah, exactly. Yes, and yes. our view on this is it's such a big problem having. Um, different people who look at a problem from different perspectives adds to a broader perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, and so look, this, this all stemmed from JP Canero's PhD. So he was particularly interested in pain related fear in people with back pain. So, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, uh, and he, you know, if you tracked his work, he was interested. We had a professor of psychology, right? We had a professor of pain Mm -hmm. psychology, which Mm -hmm. was Stephen Linton, Mm -hmm. um, uh, we had Lorem as background in terms of neurophysiology of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, my was a clinical perspective. So we built a team around... Um, uh, Anne Smith, who's a methodologist, um, yeah. physiotherapist, mm-hmm. by, a bio statistician. So we built a team around um, mm-hmm. JP's project. And so he looked at, um, at the lived experiences of people with pain-related fear linked mm-hmm. to back pain. And then he tracked... Um, the process of change for those people um, through a CFT intervention, mm-hmm. which essentially took them from a point of being um, disabled and frightened of mm-hmm. pain to an understanding that they're actually they're, they're, it was safe. So mm-hmm. the fear fear to move versus safety to move. Mm-hmm. And he tracked that journey with them and looked at the factors that changed as people improved mm-hmm. and the kinds of things that... Um, that changed. He's got a beautiful paper in British, uh, not British, um, behavioural research and therapy mm-hmm. journal that looked at things like um, people's perception of controllability of pain, their levels of pain-related fear. Um, and when those things changed, their pain levels and disability changed. Mm-hmm. So fear and pain for those people were very coupled. Fear and pain and disability was very kind of connected. Um, and, and, you know, part of his paper was kind of tracking that what has to change for those things to change for these people. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a qualitative component to that as well. So um, that that paper that was in the physical therapy journal was essentially an overview of JP's work and his PhD thesis.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, what, what was new for me, but probably not for the rest of the world, is that you mm-hmm. already start with a, a, on a very low level of, anxiety with CFT. I always thought it was more for the more, um, um, well, how do you, you can you can use the word chronic, but uh, chronicle, but you already start with uh, graded exposure stuff, if I understand it right. Um, when yeah. I can say that safety learning is the same as, uh, a graded yeah. exposure, or is it, so, or so, is it a little bit yeah, different?
1: So, so um, it depends on how you describe graded exposure. So mm-hmm. there are kind of three pillars to the intervention. One is th- what we call making sense of pain, yes. which is to help people to understand the meaning of their pain through their own narrative, their own experience. That's their, more than the do. Mostly
0: group, of course.
1: Um, which is a bit different to oh, so. the traditional. Pain neuroscience. Mm-hmm. This is more about taking the person's narrative mm-hmm. uh, and making it, make, helping them make sense of their own story right. in their own words. Right. If that right. makes sense, but right. from a bias like a social perspective.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that's that part. And then the second part is what we would call behavioral learning,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, where you would take someone who might be um, frightened, for example, of bending and lifting, which mm-hmm. is a common thing in back pain. Um, and taking them through a graded process of exposure, mm-hmm. but doing it in a way where you disarm them. So one of the things that we know is that if a person's frightened, mm-hmm. um, that that will be linked to pain thoughts. It's like right. oh, it's dangerous to be? I might damage myself. Um, it's a link to emotions, which mm-hmm. is I'm frightened, mm-hmm. and it's linked to a behaviour, which is I'm tense. I will right. tense and protect my back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I won't bend it. Mm-hmm. And so the exposure part is to dismantle those factors Mm -hmm. through a behavioural experience. So, Mm -hmm. for example, if your body's response to do something threatening is to tense up, which is a normal response if you're frightened, Mm -hmm. teaching that person to relax their body, to, to not guard their core, to breathe into their belly, to get out of that fight or fright response into deep relaxation. Is that what you mean,
0: disarmed? Disfected? Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, disarmed. Yes, right. Uh, And and then gradually take them back to the threatening task in a Mm -hmm. way that feels safe for them. Right. So that over a period of the session, it usually happens within a session, Mm -hmm. the person goes from a pain experience, a fear experience, and a belief Mm
2: -hmm. and a
1: protective guarding response to relaxing their body, moving it, Mm -hmm. realising that actually it was less painful than what they thought it would be. Mm -hmm. And that has an effect of disarming their fear or reducing their fear. How Uh, many
0: times do you have to repeat this uh, form?
1: Yeah, so we've looked at that. Mm -hmm. Um, The first session looks to be particularly important. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And we've got data to that we haven't yet published looking at the change over time but the first session looks to be really important mm. and then the follow-up sessions are more to help the person generalize that learning mm. and put it back into their life
2: right
1: so there's no point that you are confident to move in my treatment room
2: no.
1: but when you go home and you pick up your child mm-hmm. you're terrified yes. so the yes. subsequent sessions are about generalizing that learning mm-hmm into activities of daily living. And for some people, that's really tough. For some people, it's like a light bulb moment Mm -hmm. where within a session, you can see their pain go from, you know, eight out of 10 to two out of 10 within a treatment session. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, When you disarm them, when you build their self-efficacy, when you reduce their fear, you teach them to relax their body Mm -hmm. uh, and they have this kind of light bulb moment of going, whoa, Mm -hmm. that's just turned my world upside down. For others, it's a much more graduated process. And if you track JP's um, cases that he published, you'll see that everyone's trajectory is unique to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also that there are flare-ups along that journey as well. And the interesting thing is the things that tended to be related to these pain exacerbations were getting sick, getting run down, getting stressed, Mm -hmm. um, uh, periods of inactivity, coming off medications like opioids, Mm -hmm. it wasn't usually physical factors that triggered these pain events. And that speaks to our knowledge of chronic pain being very much mediated through the immune system. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, That, you know, things that trigger the immune system can trigger pain. So things like not sleeping, being stressed, um, not exercising, you know, being run down, getting the flu, getting COVID, for example, Mm -hmm. those things could become a trigger for a pain event. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those those opportunities those pain events are critical opportunities to reinforce learning
2: mm-hmm.
1: as
0: well um, c- can you tell me what, what the success rate is of cft do you have figures on that or yeah
1: so that's a really good question we are um, currently uh, completed a big trial here in australia
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, for people with disabling back pain mm-hmm. and it's a it's the largest trial to date. i think mean, we've had over 400 people recruited in that trial, we'll have much better understanding of that from that data set. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, So hopefully sometime later this year, we'll have more understanding of that um, from a decent data set. The trials to date have been relatively small, Mm -hmm. so it's hard to gauge that. Mm -hmm. Um, But we'll have a better understanding of that. But but let me be clear on this. (laughs) Not everyone responds. Um, uh, And there was a lovely qualitative... Um, paper that Sam Bunsley led, mm-hmm. which looked at the responders and non-responders, and the people who responded uh, said that they understood pain. They had a kind of um, a, a new understanding of pain from a mm-hmm. biopsychosocial perspective. They had developed pain control strategies so that they could get back to their life, get living again. And,
0: and still, those who didn't, <laughs> and still they sorry? had, and still they had
1: yeah. pain. Yeah, uh, yeah, but much less pain. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, much less pain. So, so they, the thing around pain is so interesting because we know that if you feel you can control something like mm-hmm. pain, it will reduce your worry, anxiety, and fear. Right. If you have control over it. Right. If pain is something you have no control over, if mm-hmm. it's a, if it's uh, intense, it's not predictable. It's not controllable. Mm-hmm. That will increase your level of distress. Right. And so we teach a lot of we explicitly teach the ability to control pain. Uh, through regulating thoughts, emotions, and behaviors, um, and so those people who have said that they report significantly less pain and basically say i've got back to living living again, and I don't need to seek care anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who've said, "Look, you've missed something here, my back is damaged, there's something you're missing, mm-hmm. you know I need it fixed mm-hmm. um uh." I've got no control over my pain. I'm disabled. Those are the that's the group that ten, you know, we're missing out on. And right. you know, if you understand the landscape, mm-hmm. um, we've got a society that is giving hundred different messages right. to people with back pain that you that's know right. your back... you need to be scanned, right. you need to be fixed, you need more treatment, mm-hmm. you need an injection, you need drugs, you need surgery. Right. So we're we're <laughs> promoting an intervention. That swims against the tide, Mm -hmm. that goes against all the messaging that happens (laughs) out in the community. And it's a tough job, right? It's a really tough (laughs) job. It's a tough sell. Right. right. It's like trying to market something Mm -hmm. that has got no. It's like you're trying to market something that's going to do you out of a job.
0: But but can't (laughs) can't can't we make it easier to put. Uh, the CFT method or any other method which are which is more um, on this track to put that into um, the PT uh, schools well we think so we think so and, and not only um, PT schools but also uh, general yeah. uh, practitioner yeah. schools and and uh, specialist uh, uh, yeah. schools and universities yeah.
1: so i think it's starting to happen um, mm-hmm. um you know one of the things that i think generally around the inter- the university education systems a lot of more updated evidence is being put into those training mm-hmm. programs mm-hmm. i think i think what's probably happening at the moment is we have a much better understanding of the factors that are underpinning pain right. we probably don't we probably haven't adjusted our training mm-hmm. to upskill people to confidently develop deliver those interventions so right. um you know, that's an area that we're particularly interested in and we're involved in at the moment is developing um, resources to mm-hmm. upskill clinicians to better manage pain because it's it's tough. And right. And look, you know, every patient that comes in will come in with a whole bunch of beliefs, a whole mm-hmm. bunch of expectations right. that may not be evidence-based. How do you manage that as a clinician? Because we hear a lot of times people go, well, you know, we told them all the right stuff, and they like never came back.
2: so, mm-hmm. like,
1: so a, a lot of those messages can feel very invalidating for people with pain, and right. so we have to be expert communicators. Um, well, to to we have to be expert communicators to deal with people who are distressed.
0: Who well, that, well, that's a, another question for you. How do we communicate to our patients? Because com, com, communication is, of course, one of the hardest things to do. Uh, uh, I think uh, we all um, have to be very careful in what we're saying to patients. Yeah, of course we do. Uh, do you have any techniques for that? For for yeah, how you can like, uh, yeah how
1: Look,
0: you can um, reach Ian, your patient Ian, better?
1: Yeah, Ian Cow. There's some great resources out there. Mm-hmm. So Ian Cow did his PhD um, in the United Kingdom,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I was re- I was involved with that. And his his um. Phc analyze conversations essentially mm-hmm. of people before and after being trained in CFT that we train people to communicate. We train people to listen, to reflect, to validate, to um, educate in a way that is empowering the patient and not invalidating for them. Um, we have a, um, a developed communication quiz called lowbackpaincommunication.com if you want to Listen to it, which is a. We've got to write it down now. Uh, one more, yeah. one more time. It's, it's lowbackpaincommunication.com. Mm-hmm. and that's a quiz that we developed to describe unhelpful versus helpful communication for patients, mm-hmm. and that's been really popular because people. It's like so. It's basically um, gives two scenarios, a helpful scenario and an unhelpful scenario, and it talks about the evidence behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the kind of resources that we're interested in developing to support clinicians mm-hmm. having difficult conversations right, because right. we face them every day in practice. Mm-hmm. And I think we haven't spent the time training that. And we're, you know, in our university, we're doing that now. We are changing our curriculum to update our programs to align with the evidence. Mm-hmm. We need to do that all around the world. Mm-hmm. You already, As the evidence evolves,
0: sorry. yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, um, you already um, put on, on the paper the ten things which are uh, yeah. mostly crap about low back pain. If you have to yeah. pick one yeah. out, of, out of the ten, <laughs> when I when I put a knife on your throat and you have to pick yeah. one, <laughs> yeah. which one would you pick? Oh, look,
1: I think the most devastating one. For patients, is that pain means I'm damaged. Right. I think I think that's the most devastating one because mm-hmm. if people think they're damaged, mm-hmm. they will protect, they'll guard, they'll avoid, they'll seek scanning, they'll seek to be fixed. Right. I think that's probably the most unhelpful one. Mm-hmm. And look, to be fair, there are people who are damaged. Right. <laughs> you know, we right. see people who, who, who have fractures who have massive disc prolapses Mm -hmm. where there is tissue pathology, we need to make sure we screen for that. Mm -hmm. So that's not a message you can give everyone with back pain. You need to triage them first
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um, to make sure that you've triaged and eliminated the possibility of Of pathology, and then you can give that message. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah, But but unfortunately, a lot of people who have no pathology have been given that message. Because I've been given a scan that shows, you know, normal findings for people Mm -hmm. on a scan. And and that's become pathologized and frightens them.
0: Mm -hmm. Peter, we're running out of time. No worries. Um, unfortunately i could talk for hours with you uh wim Wim dunkats you know wim dunkats of course uh, of your group wim was my first phd student (laughs) oh cool i'm I'm gonna interview (laughs) him as well so do you have a question for wim Uh, (laughs) oh um
1: look a question for wim uh I go, Wim, are you working too hard? <laughs> Still. But it's the same <laughs> I, I, with you, I that guess. That would be my question. That would be my question for Wim. <laughs> Whenever right. I see Wim, I'm going, Wim, have you cut your hours down? <laughs> have you spent more time with your family? Oh, that's good. <laughs> are you exercising enough? <laughs> and, and I think probably, you know, that questions I ask myself as well. Right, right. Uh, because I think, you know, if you're involved in, as he is, academia, mm-hmm. Uh, clinical work and teaching it's a tough it's a tough journey because you're you know bridging lots of different you know you're, you're trying to cover lots of bases mm-hmm. and keeping healthy and keeping well and keeping mm-hmm. um, a balanced life is a bloody hard challenge when you right. do that <laughs> well
0: it's clear and so it's we need your... to
1: encourage each other on that right? Right, right that's what we encourage for our patients right
0: right <laughs> Could you, uh, uh, when we, uh, the last question, could you give a take-home message for patients?
1: Yeah, listen to them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Listen to them. Listen to them. Mm-hmm. Just listen to them. I, an open question. Like my first question for a passion is tell me your story. That's the first question I ask anyone who walks into my room mm-hmm. and within the first minute, they'll tell you something that's deeply important about their story. Listen to them. We spend way too much time talking and Mm -hmm. not enough time listening. Our patients bring all the knowledge to the table. They are the expert in their own condition. We just need to get outside our head and put ourselves in their shoes and listen to them and understand their fears, their concerns, their hopes, their dreams, their goals, their worries, and then through that lens, help them on a journey.
0: Thank you very much. I'm going to uh, ask you one more thing. You're, you're coming to Holland uh, somewhere in September to, to speak? Uh, on no, a... I'm not, actually. Oh, no. no. Um, I, w- I was I'm... going there with a bottle of wine for you. <laughs> no, well, you're
1: welcome, but you'll be drinking it on your
0: own. Oh, my God. Um, ah.
1: I think this the story there is is I'll be zooming in from Australia to Holland.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, whenever I have uh, the opportunity <laughs> to meet you... Uh, I already uh, saw you once in Singapore on a conference of yeah, okay. uh, low back yeah. pain and pelvic girdle pain. Yeah. Whenever, yeah. whenever I have the chance to see you, which, which wine do I have to bring with me? Which wine do you like oh, especially? Well, I like red
1: wine. I
0: like red wine. Red wine, but what, what red yeah. wine? Have uh, a, look,
1: I'm pretty choosy. I, I'm not that choosy on good, good red wine. I mean, we have uh, certain varieties here. Uh, uh, exactly. New Zealand has Pinot Noir. We have a Shiraz. Cap, mm-hmm. You know, Cab All of those wines are lovely.
0: But are you more the the the, the person of uh, uh, a big red wine or or? Yeah, I like a big red
1: wine. More like smooth. Yeah, I do. Like a
0: Barolo yeah. or stuff like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, I. It depends on my mood. Yeah, right. That's right. I'm okay with the variety. I kind of like variety. That's right. That's right.
0: Well, Peter, thank you very much. It was very nice to speak to you, and uh, I hope I can see you uh, soon somewhere.
1: Yeah. Well, one day again, we will fly, I presume. Um, But, you know, I kind of feel like with the way the world's going and how our planet, we have to be way smarter about communicating like this and probably not hopping on a plane as much as well.
0: That's right. Voor the environment, yeah. it's much better. Yeah, I think it's good. <laughs> thank you very much. Have a nice day. Pleasure. And thank you. Thank you. See Bye bye. See you. Tot zover het uh, interview met Pietro Sullivan. Uh, voor de volgende podcast hebben we een interview gepland met Wim Danckaerts, uh, werkzaam bij de KU uh, in Leuven. Um, dat zal de derde podcast zijn in de serie over pijn. Um, in de tussentijd kunnen jullie natuurlijk, als je bang bent dat je die mist, een herinnering krijgen als je je abonneert op uh, uh, YouTube of als je in, op Spotify uh, ons uh, volgt. Natuurlijk op Podbean kan dat ook. Um, hele fijne dag verder en uh, hopelijk tot de volgende. <middels>